Tahara Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And <laughs> this may surprise you, listeners, but we're back again with another post-scream <laughs> early 2000s horror film. They're never-ending, aren't they? They, they are never-ending. But I'm not even sure if we've touched the surface, no, though, to be fair. No, no. Uh, but, but, this will actually surprise you. We're back with a good film this week. Yeah. Like, that that, that hasn't happened in a while. Not counting original versus remake. Has it not? No. Has it been crap for a while? I, I think it has been trash for, for a good while. Oh, good. I'm not talking trash about <laughs> trash. Uh, yes, but tonight we're talking about one of the better post-screen slashers. We are talking about Cherry Falls from the year 2000. Yes. Not to be confused with Cherry 2000, the Melanie Griffith film. No. No, very different films. <laughs> um, directed by Jeffrey Wright, director of Loverboy. Not, not that Loverboy with the pizza guy, but it's from the same year. It's from 1989. Uh, Rumpa Stumper. What boy with the pizza guy? The comedy, the pizza guy that fucks all his customers. Is that the guy from Grey's Anatomy? I believe so. Oh, okay. But it's not that one. Oh. Um, Rumpa Stumper, Metal Skin, an episode of Naked Stories of Men, Macbeth from 2006, and the Rumpa Stumper miniseries. Oh, is he Australian then? Yeah, this is his only non-Australian film, I believe. Oh, I see. Okay. Made on a budget of $14 million. And I can only tell you UK box office because this is one of the very few places where it was released theatrically. Oh. Um, it made £818,465 at the UK box office. I see. Okay. Uh, yeah, never received a cinematic release in the UK. And U- US. 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 It did receive a cinematic release in the UK. Yeah. Um, that surprises me. Well, due to ongoing censorship issues with the MPAA, the film was never given a theatrical release in the US and was released as a TV movie on the USA Network. As a result, Cherry Falls is the most expensive television movie ever produced with a budget of $14 million. So, the, the version that we saw, I mean, it felt kind of tame. I think it's a 15 here. No, it's an 18 now. Yeah. So it's still an 18. Still an 18. Still an 18. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm, obviously, I'm not saying it's, you know, PG. It's weird. I mean... But a lot of the kills are off screen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I'm sure there would have been worse released around this time, surely. Hmm. That's a strange one. Unless it was heavily cut. I mean, Scream 3 is pretty much bloodless. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, whatever happened between Scream 2 and this, I'm, I'm not sure. I think probably with this film, and it is something we will discuss uh, further through the podcast, but the subject matter involved is quite heavy. Yeah. And it's not blatantly a comedy. It's, it is essentially a comedy. It is essentially a satire. Yeah. But it's not explicit, very much like Scream, where it's not explicitly comical. Um, and so there are a lot of scenes that are really, um, I wouldn't say disturbing, but heavy. They are very yeah. heavy. The subject matter is heavy. 
Yeah, it also it doesn't forget to be a horror film. Like it's, I wouldn't say. I, I don't know if one outweighs the other because of how well the humor is blended in with a lot of it. Um, but of course, it does get a lot more serious towards the end as well. Uh, but yeah, no, this is very much in the same way *Malignant* is a satire of *Giallo*. This is definitely going for that same sort of route, but with. Uh, slashes. I don't, to, to a certain degree, I think its closest sort of comparison would be Scream. Yeah. Because Scream is essentially a satire yeah, of yeah, the slasher yeah. film genre, you know, but it's not explicitly so. We're not talking Shriek If You Know What I Did Last Friday the 13th no. territory here. You know, it's a, 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 a nuance, the word I would be looking for. Um... It's it's not obvious. It didn't slap you around the face. I kind of wish it did, but we'll obviously discuss that more during the well, podcast. Michael Bean uh, is in this, and I'm sure he thought he was in Shriek, if you know what I did last Friday the 13th, because <laughs> he fully plays this like it's a parody of something. Like, yeah. He acts like he is... I mean, I don't know if he's going for John Saxon, because I know Candy Clark is absolutely going for Ronnie Blakely. She in, is, in yes. Yeah. Um... But Michael Bean initially wasn't interested in the film. After reading 15 pages of the script, he thought it was just another slasher film. His agent convinced him to keep reading, and he liked the satirical approach to the film uh, and decided to do it. Nice. He's all right, isn't it? Yeah. I think he's one of those, and we tend to do it a lot, where we confuse actors that we know that have been in great films with great actors. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because obviously he was in The Terminator, which is a fantastic film. But he's probably not the most memorable part of The Terminator. He's up there. I mean, he's he was in, up there, he, but... The one film that's best to say that about is The Fan, because, I mean, he was in that. He was he in was, The Fan. Was, yeah. But he's not the most memorable thing about The Fan. No, of course <laughs> not. But the, the Fan isn't a huge film. But be. I think sometimes we're like, oh, why would Michael Bean... Why would he be in Cherry Falls? Is that? Oh well, actually, I think we're mistaking the fact that he was in the Terminator. Yeah, I always forget he was in Oscar Alien nominated. Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bless him. He's he's a, he's he's an alright actor. He's he's alright. Uh, movie producers at Millennium Studios secured permission from Richmond Public Schools to film interior and exterior scenes at Thomas Jefferson High School during Easter break and the week following. They uh, shared the building and the grounds at the time with uh, the Governor's School, uh, the Governor's School for Government and International Studies, a regional school for gifted students. RPS failed to mention this and the fact that the two schools shared different schedules to movie producers. RPS also failed to mention that a movie would be filmed on the site to the administration. As a result, Cherry Falls started filming at the end of the school day, only to be interrupted an hour later when all the students were released from class. To secure the set, doors had been locked and hallways had been blocked, preventing students from exiting. The confusion was eventually cleared and the producers provided uh, the administration with a synopsis of the plot and details about the timeline, scheduling and deal with RPS. School administration then included the synopsis in a letter to concerned parents. 
The synopsis failed to mention the satirical slant of the storytelling and instead provided the plot as a serious storyline. Oh, and parents then complained uh, for allowing porn to be filmed on school property. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're making this film uh, and it ends with a big orgy. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, really. Um, what I don't understand... Well, I kind of do understand, but it's strange that American high schools always seem to be named after famous people. Like, yeah, it was filmed at Thomas Jefferson High School and it was set, I mean, in the film. It's called George Washington High School. Yeah. Is that right? It's all right. It'd be like us going to, you know, John Major Secondary School. <laughs> like, you, you know, like, Disraeli uh, Primary School or something like that. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Uh, Stephen Lang was brain, uh, brain Just thinking out loud. Stephen Lang was slated for the lead role as a sheriff. The scheduling conflicts prevented him from playing in the film. Is that a lead role? Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I'd say Brittany Murphy's definitely got the lead role. Yeah, of course. Uh, he later admitted the only reason he wanted to do the part was to work with Brittany Murphy again. Stephen Lang would have been good. What did they work together with? I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> Is Stephen Lang remind me? Uh, don't breathe. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, he would have done all right. Uh, The film was written by Ken Sowden as a satire with plenty of comedic elements, but director Jeffrey Wright viewed it as a far more serious film. Wright kept much of the satire, but also increased the horror, removing much of the comedy from Sowden's script. That explains a lot. It really does. And Um, I think that was a fatal mistake um, in terms of selling the film. Yeah. I think a lot of the issues that the film face, particularly with the MPAA, is because of that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, he had a very specific vision for the film, and frequently clashed with members of the crew, specifically the cinematographer. According to Wright, the latter walked off uh, the set and didn't come back for almost two days because he thought he was using too much blood in one sequence. Wright also confessed to irritated actor Jay Marr, for uh, demanding a flexible schedule from all of the actors. Oh, okay. Who did Jane Moore The teacher. Play? Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, the film received two nominations for Best Picture and Best Director at the Sidious Film Festival in Spain, uh, and Jeff Wright finally took the prize of Best Director, so I assume he'd been nominated before. The... Yeah, probably for Rumpel Stomper, which I think is quite a famous cult film. Yeah. It's got uh, Russell Crowe in it. Um, I think, isn't it 88 Films releasing it soon? Maybe. The big deluxe edition. I think so. Um, the weird thing about Sidious Film Festival is that I've been to Sidious and it was sold to me as the gay Marbella. <laughs> is that Marbella is the one where they all go in town, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Um, so I know Sidious as very gay. Um, but the film festival isn't very gay, is it? It's quite horror based. Oh no. It might be. I don't think, but I don't think it's marked it as a gay film festival. I mean, this is a very gay film. It's not that gay. It's very camp. Camp and gay aren't necessarily the same. It's its audience now are primarily gay people and women. Well, probably so. yeah, of course. <laughs> but things can be camp without necessarily having to be homosexual. Yeah. I mean, we just have an appreciation of camp more than, you know, a heterosexual audience. 
Let's not get into that. <laughs> I did the podcast not long enough. Uh, uh, the teen orgy ended up causing the most problems of the MPAA, unsurprisingly. Ken Saldon wrote the scene to feature a sea of white sheets. In his script, viewers wouldn't actually see most of the orgy taking place. Instead, they would see shapes of bodies moving under the sheets. When the killer was chasing Jody through the house, the audience would simply see the sheets with splashes of blood randomly appearing on them. Uh, director Jeffrey Wright chose to go a more graphic route and show everything in plain sight, resulting in the film being given an NC-17 rating multiple times. Since Wright was obligated to deliver an R-rated film, nearly all of the nudity, mostly topless females, was cut from the scene. I was going to say, if anything, it's just teens in their underwear. Yeah. Uh, pretending to sort of... Right, <laughs> like, like, there's not much going on in that scene. I no. don't think. Um, yeah, it, that makes sense now. Given a thirty-day time frame to shoot the film, Jeffrey Wright went over budget and behind schedule early on into the shoot. Many scenes of the original script weren't even able to be filmed because of this. Scenes had to be rushed during filming since they had limited time and weren't able to return to locations after they had left. This meant that many scenes in the final cut were the first and only take. Okay. Which, I mean, makes a lot of uh, Brittany Murphy's uh, queen moments, should we say. <laughs> Slay queen moments, very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is, I, I'm going to sort of reiterate that I did enjoy the film, but there are a few issues, and I think the um, what you've just read out, the trivia, actually helps to understand yeah. the issues that I have with the film. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, I think this is, uh, I, I really think this is a great film. It does, it definitely has its issues, especially when you're looking at it from a 2022 perspective. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, as far as 2000s horror goes, you know, we, as we've said many times on this podcast, it isn't the strongest, uh, especially when it comes to slasher films. Uh, so... It's by far not the worst, though. Exactly, fair. exactly. But um, but yeah, no, I think this is a really, really strong post-scream slasher. But let's get into it. In the small town of Cherry Falls, a psychotic murderer is killing off the virgins of the local high school. And we start... Yeah, yeah. a simple premise there. We start in the woods outside of Cherry Falls, Virginia, where a teenage couple, Rod Harper and Stacy Twelfthman, are making out in a car whilst Rod talks nerdy to Stacy. Yeah, it's um the soundtrack from the get go is very screamy. Yeah, that, uh, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I believe he was reciting poetry. Um. One of the lines he comes out with is, "I want to make love to you in the manner of my people." <laughs> um, I mean, I I think that's a famous quote. I think it's from Star Trek. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm like, is he quoting alien poetry? It's, it very much sounded like it was from Star Trek. Yeah, very, yeah, yeah. Ner- nerdy romanticizing, isn't it? Um, Stacy, because of course she's called Stacy. There's always a Stacy in there these is. films. Um, she wants her first time to be special. Um, yeah, unfortunately, she didn't get her first time. Because Rod is stabbed repeatedly by an assailant with long, greasy black hair. Well, yeah. I mean, and a mini skirt. Yeah, I mean, they start, they're making out. He tries to give her a finger, but she's not having it. Um, she threatens to leave at first. Um, they make out again, and then the headlights turn on behind them, and Rod goes to investigate. 
Uh, it's a really good setup. It's a really good opening scene that, you know, but then you needed the memorable opening scene if you're going to be a slasher film. It's slasher film 101 is the memorable opening scene. And, and yeah, no, I mean, this is no Drew Barrymore um, in no. Scream. You know, it's no Jada Pinkett Smith in Scream 2. It's not even Cotton Wearing in Scream 3. But... Keep that name <laughs> out your mouth. <laughs> but I'm going to get slapped. Um, but, but, you know, it's still a great opening scene. It's really good. It is. It it's you know it. The problem. The thing is, this it's not a problem. Um, the thing is, this is a satire, and yeah. this is very stereotypical slasher film opening. It is, and the killer manages to and look creepy. And that's kind of the point. Yeah, I mean, the killer looks creepy in the car, um, and proper goes for it when when uh, when they're trying to kill Rod. Rod, played by Jesse Bradford, from Bring It On. Oh, okay. Yeah, he yeah. was the uh, Kirsten Dunst love interest in Bring It On. There we go. Um, and Swim fan. There we go. So there we go. Stacy locks the car doors, uh, but unlocks them when she hears Rod by the door. Uh, as she tries to get him into the car, the killer comes back, stabbing into death, and pins Stacy against the tree whilst touching her face. Yeah, then we cut away, don't we? We do. So we don't really see what happens to Stacy. And... Uh, we're introduced to Jodie, played yes. by Brittany Murphy, who is making out with her boyfriend Kenny in the car. Very similar setup, isn't it? It is. Um, he's upset that they've been together a whole year and they have not had sex yet. And uh, he thinks that they should start seeing other people. Yeah. Jodie's mum, Marge, played by Candy Clark, um, who was in... Everything. Everything. She's one of those actresses that's in everything. Not always the, the star. I believe she was nominated for an actress for uh, nominated for an actress, an Oscar, for American Graffiti. Um, she was in The Man Who Fell to Earth. Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Um, yeah, very prolific actress, and a good actress as well. Actually, yeah, I, I liked her in this. She hasn't got much to do, um, but I like her. Um, he, she pops up for a nice little jump scare and, uh, she asks Kenny for a ciggy. Yeah. Uh, she's a bit flirty with him. They're, they're very flirty with each other. I mean, both times I've watched this now, I, I forgot about this whole flirting thing between them two. I, I seriously thought those two were going to have some sort of affair. There's a weird energy to her that could have been high camp and comedy, mm. but isn't really fully formed. I don't think... I think she could have been a real um, comedy element to the film because she's kind of weird. If they'd just gone all out weird, if, if they'd just done a parody of Ronnie Blakely in No Nightmare on Elm Street. I think that is what they were trying to do. I think it's what they were trying to do. But, but I, I don't I think she's included of... enough. No, that's. No. I think that's the problem. I kind of wish they would have gone all the way. I think she does a great job of every bit of screen time she gets, but she just isn't given enough to do. No. She isn't in it enough. When she's revealing the backstory, you know, she is. She has got a cigarette on the go. Imagine if she lit it the same way Ronnie yeah. Blakely lit it. Yeah. She drinks from a fucking vase. What more do you want? Well, <laughs> I think... I don't think that's a comedy film thing. I think that is, like... a year 2000 thing like people <laughs> drank from massive glasses maybe it was an American thing I don't know um, but yeah so she asked him for a ciggy she's a bit flirty she's uh, she's not a regular mum she's a cool mum yeah 
she's trying to hide her cigarette smoking and uh, trying to hide Jodie being late home from her husband, the sheriff, played by Michael Bean. Um, but, you know, Kenny gives Jodie the old heave-ho and slams the door um, because she just, she won't put out. Yeah. You know, uh, Jodie arrives home and she gets a nice little jump scare from Dad, Michael Bean, Sheriff, Brent mm-hmm. Markin, who grounds her for staying out so late. Um, did you notice some sort of room decoration that Jodie had? No. Um, no, I never knew these existed. But she had inflatable photo frames. Oh, God, yeah, I remember those. They used to have Steps ones with uh, Smash Hits magazine. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't... I remember the chair. I had the chairs. So, it's an inflatable chair. And it had, um... Oh, what's it in bean bags? The Beans. little bits of white... Yeah, yeah. Poly... Polystyrene. Yeah. yeah. They had that inside. The bit of big inflatable chair. <laughs> Um, but I have to say, I, I didn't know they had inflatable photo frames. Yeah, you used to get like them. neon colours. I'm, I'm not sure Brittany Murphy got hers for Smash Hits magazine, but that's where I used to get mine from. No, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even think I had pictures in them. I think it was like literally just pictures of Backstreet Boys and Steps. Probably. I would bet good money you could probably buy them from Urban Outfitters now. You probably could. They'll be back in style. They will be. Um, yeah, so... With both Brent and Marge, both of them constantly are like the flirting with everyone to come into contact with. Like including it, their daughter. Including their daughter. Including like, it's really weird. It's very strange. Because it's something that's not really developed. No. Like, but it's it's really I I don't I don't I, I think it is to add to the weird atmosphere I think in the so. film. I I yeah, I reckon if we would have gone maybe full Twin Peaks on it. Would yeah, it, I reckon that would have been good, like a Twin Peaks slasher film. Yeah, I think that would have been good. Wouldn't well, it? yeah, definitely. with these, you know, you could have had Marge going full Nadine. Mm. That would have been amazing. Um, but yeah, the sheriff is called away to a crime scene in the middle of the night, but doesn't get there until daylight. Well, Jody sleepwalks. A little bit of continuity, <laughs> I think. And Jody sleepwalks to her window. And she's like, "Daddy." Yeah. <laughs> With absolutely no reason, no at reason all. whatsoever. <laughs> um, so it turns out that Stacy was nailed to a tree while still alive, um, and we get a little flash of her. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 part of the, it's the gruesome nature of the film that doesn't quite fit. Is you know the, the reiterating that she was alive when she was nailed to a tree. Yeah. Um, Jodie's seemingly gay best friend, Timmy. Yes. Um, they, they, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy and Timmy, Jody and Timmy, Timmy's wearing a fur coat, big fur coat, and uh, at school the next day, he's given her the 411 on the murders. Yeah, it's uh, refreshing to see a uh, pos- bit of positive gay representation in the film. He's definitely meant to be gay. Uh, yeah, there's, I think there's uh, no doubt in my Yeah, I, I, it's just a shame. Again, like Candy Clark, it's just a shame that he's not in it for long. I'd have liked to have seen him develop some more. Maybe take on the Randy role from Scream. Yeah, this time, I mean, it would have been good if he just popped up every because he's a journalist, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Uh, if he just popped up every so often with a bit of gossip mm-hmm. or something that sort of helped move the film along. 
maybe. I think that would have been interesting. Spoiler alert, he only survived two scenes. Um, but it, it's nice. It was interesting. He wasn't the joke. He no. wasn't the butt of any jokes no. or anything. He was clearly quite flamboyant. We're assuming he's gay. I believe he was written as a gay character. Um, yeah, refreshing to see. I just wish there would have been a little bit more. Um, who's Mr. Morrison? Marleston. Oh, I've written Mr. Morrison. <laughs> is that is that corrected that? Mr. Marleston. <laughs> the um, handsome teacher. And uh, I, I think handsome teacher. He looks like H from Steps when he takes his glasses off. It's the year two thousand. <laughs> okay. The young Owen Wilson. But he's meant to be the handsome teacher. I mean, the idea is that Jodie may have a little crush on him. Mm. So he's the handsome teacher, Mr. Marleston. Um, he's trying to get the class to deal with their emotions regarding Stacey and Rodster. It's a very scream scene. Um, very, very scream too. Yeah. Very. I thought this was set in a college the first time I saw it because... The way this is all set out, yeah. um, the seating is very college-like. Mm-hmm. Uh, giving me legal blonde, legal blonde, legal Le- blonde. Fucking hell, legally blonde. Excuse me, don't know where my mouth's running to today. Um, poor Heather, she's upset in the class, remembering when she told Rod to fuck off and die in eighth grade. <laughs> um, took him a while, but turns out he did. Um, the other students do struggle to show any real sorrow or real yeah. sensitivity, though. Um, other stereotypes, including a nerd and a popular blonde, bicker before the sheriff turns up and does his horror movie sheriff speech. He does. Um, yeah, so in the class, um, a class of characters that are introduced but not killed. Yeah. I found this strange. Because in normal slasher films, these are your victims. Yeah. The one they're getting, you know, a bit of uh, character development, a little bit of character development. Um, but yeah. As far of, as individual deaths go, it's not really that high of a body count. There's not really, which makes it strange, and and I'll explain in a bit, because the count, body count is so low before. A motive is established. Yeah. There's kind of like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so you've got two stoner bonehead dudes, haven't you? Yeah. You've got the geeky guy with glasses who loves his Dungeons and Dragons. You've got the blonde girl um, who seemingly is popular and um, not a virgin, mm-hmm. much to everyone's. Um, jokes and such. Um, she was playing. It took me ages to realize, and I, I, you know, understand this is very niche. Um, but she's played by, um, an actress I remember watching when I was younger, Kristen Miller. Now it took me so long to realize it was her because I remember her from a TV show that I used to watch called USA High. And it was a comedy show, if I'm remembering her correctly. Um, it was a comedy show. I used to watch it on Trouble. Did you watch Trouble? No. Here in the UK, we had a... Yes, she played uh, Ashley Elliott. Um, we had a TV channel called Trouble, and it was very much aimed at the teen market. 
um, but it had a lot of American shows and it was stuff like Hang Time, USA High, um, Saved by the Bell, The College Years and so on and so forth. And in USA High, I'm not going on a tangent here, uh, but in USA High, she played an English girl oh. who went to USA High, which was a high school in Paris specifically for American students (laughs) and uh, she had and what I believed at the time is many many years ago to be an actual British accent clearly it wasn't wow (laughs) and it was a ridiculous one but um yeah if anyone is yeah looking for um shit teen sitcom from the late 90s you give a USA High a watch I have never heard of anything <laughs> you've just mentioned very, very other than Safe by the Bell the college year <laughs> other than that I'm... am I showing my age here maybe <laughs> maybe if anyone remembers USA High or Hang Time or Malibu CA um, then please Send me a message on Instagram. We can reminisce together. Cause no, <laughs> no other fucker remembers any of it. <laughs> so yeah, two teens have a fight. In yeah, where the, were we? What two teens have about? a fight in the middle of a canteen uh, and argue over whether it's worse to be a shit sucking liar or a cock sucking liar. Oh, Annette is fucking fuming that this guy, with um, a very nineties haircut, yeah, and a one of those hoop earrings at the top of his ear <laughs> um very very 90s and um, he's been going around telling everyone that she gave him a hummer mm. um gary what's a hummer uh i assume that is a blowjob no it's a sexual act involving holding the penis in the mouth whilst humming oh well i don't understand what... first uh, trouble and hang time and now this You've really learned something new every day. I don't understand how... Well, let's not get into that too much. Um, but I, I don't understand... Yeah, I just don't understand. A hummer. No. Um... If anyone... Uh, underst- well, that wasn't me demonstrating. <laughs> First X-rated podcast episode. Oh. Um, so if... Um... Any... <laughs> no, if please, anyone, don't, please don't tell us. If anyone's ever had a Hummer, <laughs> please no video evidence. <laughs> well, maybe. Um, but uh, let us know, yeah? Rate, rate your Hummer out. Yeah, can you, can you also tell us how it works? I, please don't send us a guide. I'm assuming it would just be slightly annoying, to be Wait, fair. How did you find this out, anyway? I Googled it. Of course oh, I Googled for fuck's it. Sake. I was confused. <laughs> Elsewhere, uh, the killer is sharpening her weapons. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, Annette, she, yeah. Annette Dewald, uh, the virgin, who's giving hummers out, apparently, she, yeah. uh, is home alone when the killer knocks on the door and claims to be Laura Lee Sherman and asks to leave a note for her mother. Uh, Annette answers the door, uh, opens the door, should I say, sorry, uh, the killer grabs her hair and starts slamming it in the door. Annette's parents come home and find that she's been killed in the same manner as the other two teenagers. And her mum's reaction is amazing. Her mum's reaction is amazing. <laughs> this is, I, I get absolutely given Casey Becker yeah. at the beginning of Scream. 
Definitely. Um, yeah, uh, at home, the sheriff is mm, teaching Jody some self-defence when he gets the call about Annette's murder. It's a bit weird, isn't it? It's, it's very weird. It's very weird because he's kind of... He ends up on top of her. <laughs> ends up on top of her. And if it was any other film, this would be the moment that they would share a kiss. Yeah. Which is weird as their father and daughter. So I don't really know why this was included. No. Because there is a bit of a weird moment between them. Yeah. Um, which isn't really explained or explored. So it's kind no. of really pointlessly awkward to watch. Yeah. Maybe that's the point. Maybe, you know, he's trying to... The, the filmmakers are trying to keep us on edge by... Making our oh, Michael Bean was absolutely a red herring, by the way. Yeah, I suppose he was it, yeah, absolutely course, a red yeah. herring. Yeah. Um, I'd even go as far as saying Candy Clark's a red herring as well. Um, and the principal. And the principal, you know, the these are your your main and Kenny. Yeah. Um, and and do you know what? The first time I watched it, I didn't guess who it was. I, I was very surprised, when it was a teacher. Oh, spoiler alert. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. You, you know how it works for this podcast. People are not listening as they watch along. It's not a watch-along episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so Brent gets a call about the murder, and he goes with his... Uh... Are you allowed to do that? Like, I've seen people online do it. Oh, watch along with us. And they're oh, watching yeah, the people... is, is Would you not have to get, like, a license or something? Like, copyrighted No, stuff. not really. If, if you own the film, you can watch it. You, but you're broadcasting no, no, to... No, I think, like, literally you press play at the same time. Yeah, but some sometimes I've seen people online yeah, sometimes do it whilst do that. watch with us and we'll give you a commentary or something. Yeah. Uh, rather than, like, recently, like, WrestleMania, where you have watch-alongs, but it's someone... You're not seeing WrestleMania... As this person's watching and giving you a running commentary. Some people do it on Facebook groups. So yeah. They need licenses for that. So it's, it's very strange. Obviously if you're can... broadcasting this film, I know you're talking over it, but if you're broadcasting a film to yeah. people, you'd need a license, wouldn't you? It's true. Really. True. Um, Sorry. Just a little, little tangent there. Anyone else knows about that sort of thing? I mean, something that could be... Well, I don't know how fun it would be. Yeah, I mean, we don't edit this podcast, so <laughs> this, is, this is just my trailer for anyway. Brent and his Gina Gershon looking partner go to the autopsy of Annette, uh, where they find out that the killer is targeting virgins. See, this is the part where I'm a little like, oh, really? So the autopsy shows that Annette was a virgin when she died, and that by all accounts, so were Stacy and Rod. The coroner then concludes that the killer must have a signature after three deaths. Yeah, I think that's the joke. I think, probably, but but it kind of, it, it suggests that being a virgin in Cherry Falls, whilst at high school, is some sort of anomaly, is weird, and therefore after three deaths, this is a signature. Yeah. But then later in the film, it appears that everyone is a virgin... Because they're all partaking in the cherry ball. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like I, said, I think it's very much a joke there, and I feel like the place is called Cherry Falls as well. Um, oh, of course, yeah. Obviously, it's, it's a take obvious joke on the Falls. on the old slasher yeah, trope. Um, you know how if, if you're uh, if you're not a virgin, you're gonna die. Obviously, this is turning it on its head. Maybe uh, I just I, I would have preferred purposes. more death scenes before. Maybe. Maybe. maybe I mean, Scream is is very light on death scenes. Yeah. Really, until the conclusion. Uh, Brent goes home and asks Jodie if she's a virgin. Uh, well, yeah, he wakes Jodie up yeah. in the middle of the night to awkwardly ask her if she's a virgin without telling her the reason why he's asking <laughs> her. And she just seems to be okay with that. Yeah, well, she asks like, him if he's disappointed that she's a virgin. Yeah, that is weird. But she's like, oh, okay, good night, Daddy. <laughs> and it's like, um... Are we not acknowledging how strange <laughs> that your dad woke you in the middle of the night to ask if you're a virgin? It's like, good night, Annie. <laughs> Bye. Um, Jodie and her teacher have a, a Mr... Oh, what's his name? Marliston. Marliston. Uh, they have a, a moment after reciting T.S. Eliot together. Um, but then Jodie is fuming when Mr. Marliston suggests her angsty love for T.S. Eliot may be attributed to her recent breakup with Kenny. Um, yeah, she's a strong, independent woman. She is. Um, you know, if she's been angsty, it's all because of her, not because of her breakup with Kenny. Uh, she's fuming at the suggestion. She is. It's nice. It's, it's, this is probably the moment to discuss it. Um, Brittany Murphy is, uh, a wonderful actress. Was. Was in this film. And in this film, I mean. Um, but was a great comedian as well. Yeah. The films we've seen her, she's got buckets full of charm mm-hmm. in all the films that she's, I've seen her in. Um, and she did make an obvious lead for a film like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, an obvious final girl. Um, and she adds so much to the film. It's probably the reason why I'm kind of surprised it didn't get a theatrical release in America. Because Brittany Murphy was an established actress by that point. Yeah. To a certain degree. I mean, she'd been in Clueless, mm-hmm. obviously, which was a big, big sort of hit. Um, Drop Dead Gorgeous. She was great in that. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that she wasn't a big enough name to make this a theatrical film. Yeah. Yeah, and... It's like you said, she, she does a really, really great job in this. And it, it, she is a proper final girl. She is your, your proper Horace Lake Queen. Yeah. Like she just, fights back. She's smart. She's, yeah, she's just... You get behind her. Everything she needs to be. And a lot of that is due to Brittany Murphy as well. Yeah. It's not the most developed character in the world. No, but she um, does everything she needs to do. But there's such a charm to Brittany Murphy as an actress. Yeah. That you know, you you were really rooting for her. It's, it's such a shame that you know Brittany Murphy died so young. Because, yes, you know we could have had some real wonderful performances continuing from her. Yes, uh, she notices that someone is spying on them, and they go looking around the school. Her and Mister Marliston, uh, and he finds a cigarette on the floor and flicks it, and it lands on someone's shoe. Oh. 
Concerned for the Who talent. Who likes a cigarette? Oh, Kenny mm. likes a cigarette. Oh, Marge likes a cigarette. Kenny conveniently wears the same sort of shoes as the killer. And everyone <laughs> wears Beetle Crushers in this film, don't they? It's a very smart move there, setting the scene up like this, because, I mean, it really throws you off thinking that it could be the teacher. Yeah. Because, I mean, if, you know, if, he's there, if the, the killer's there watching, then it can't be him, can it? Yeah. Or so you think. I don't, I don't know. It, it, would you use the term beetle crushers? To, I'm not sure if it's just something that... I've heard it. My friends I've made heard it. Okay. Um, probably by you, actually, so probably me. Maybe. Doc Martens, uh, should we well, say. Well, they are, but uh, I, don't think, <laughs> I don't think they're real Doc Martens, so they would have had a bit of product placement, wouldn't they? Um, concerned for the town's safety, Brent holds a meeting at the high school to tell parents the nature of the crimes. No students are invited, but Jody and Timmy, who stayed after school, spy on the meeting. Yeah, Timmy, being a uh, journalist, ladies and gentlemen, is um, always hot on the scoop. Yes. Um... So they're they're having a real nose, uh, whilst a brawl breaks out between the parents (laughs) when one parent suggests that another's daughter has nothing to worry about (laughs) if the killer is only targeting virgins. (laughs) This, yeah, this scene as well, you know, really showcases the comedic side of things and the ridiculous camp. Yeah, it, it's, it's the only real scene that is out-and-out comedy. Like, you, you would see this kind of scene in a comedy film, like, you know, um, an airplane or, or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's a clear joke um, played for laughs. Yeah. Uh, Timmy goes off to take a call, and Jodie can't find him. Um, she searches the um, empty school halls in very slasher film style and finds Timmy in a locker with the word virgin written on the door uh, with his throat slit. Yeah. Uh, the murder is not too long after, um, finds her and a chase ensues. Jodie is not unconscious but wakes in time to fight off the killer in the science lab, and what does she use to fight him, him or her off? What does she use? A giant stuffed shark she swinging does. from the she ceiling. Does. Yeah, she absolutely <laughs> slays it in this scene. Like this is how you fight a slasher villain. It is great. Just loving anything you yeah. can get hold of. Just throwing it until you run out of objects. And um, and yeah, and using a, a stuffed shark swinging from the ceiling. Yeah, she uh, goes to the police station after, uh, describes the killer to an officer who uh, does a sketching, uh, and one of the computer sketching things. Uh, E-fit, we'd call it here, I E-fit. think. E-fit. And uh, basically draws Steven Tyler. Yes. So, this is when I first watched the film, because we in the previous scene, um, the killer does make some noises that sounded very male. Yeah. Um, and Jodie keeps saying she, 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 she. And we've seen the killer with long black hair um, and a mini skirt. 
But I think the overemphasis on she, it made me nervous. Um, rightfully so, because the killer is revealed to be a man dressed as a woman. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it did... We'll get onto that more later. But this was the moment where I was like, oh, okay. This is going to turn out to be a bloke, isn't it? And, you know, we're going to get the rehashed psycho ending. Yeah. Um... During the scene, uh, Brent is sweating, but tells his partner that he doesn't recognise the killer. Yeah. Um, he then confides with Principal Tom that the suspect looks like Laura Lee Sherman. Uh, the two are both visibly nervous, and Jodie listens in on their conversation. Yeah, she listens in on the phone. Um, so she now know, has a name, Laura Lee Sherman. Yes. Um, and now it makes more sense. Earlier, when Annette was visited by Laura Lee Sherman, uh-huh. um, Jodie's friend Sandy turns up yes. uh, and tells her there's there's a kind of orgy being organised to make sure there's no virgins left to be murdered. So I think Timmy's call got through, didn't it? Where yeah. he revealed the, uh, the truth uh, about the murders. Um, Jodie is now the most popular girl in school now she's survived a murder attempt even Kenny now wants her back yes um, I, I kind of wish they would have played this up a little more for the jokes mm-hmm. about her being the most popular girl in school yeah. now that she survived someone trying to murder her I mean, that was quite funny I don't know, do you think there might be a danger of overdoing it if they did play it up too much I mean it's a really funny scene but if they did that for like every scene after do you think it might just get a bit much? I don't know. I, I think for me, it, where the film... And it doesn't fail. Don't don't get me wrong. But we are on a podcast discussing a film, you know, up, ups and downs and, and shit. Um, and what we like and didn't like about the film. And it was one aspect of the film that I struggled with is that it wasn't more comedic. Yeah. Um, I think certain scenes they could have played up more for laughs yeah because i think it was trying too hard to be screen mm-hmm. I, I i genuinely yeah, felt oh, that and i don't think that i mean it's called cherry falls for god's sake yeah it's about a serial a, a slasher killer a serial killer killing people for being virgins you know it it's a parody yeah. But I just, I for me, it didn't take it too far. Uh, it didn't take it far enough, excuse me. Um, because, I mean, we've seen Scream. We have yeah, Scream. Yeah. You can't replicate that. So try and do something different and, and make it... Don't go all, you know, balls to the wall like Scary Movie did. But just play up the laughs a little more. Yeah. Because, you know... The scene where someone, and it's very simple comedy, someone suggests that, you know, another guy's daughter is safe from a serial killer because she's clearly not a virgin, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's funny. Yeah. You could have had more of that. Yeah. And had a few laughs with it. But there's no moments that really made me laugh out loud. Yeah. In a film called Cherry Four. You know, come on. Mm -hmm. Cherry Falls, for God's sake. Do you know what I mean? And I liked the film. I did like the film. I just wish there were more... I wish it made the most of what could be comedic moments. Yeah. Because it it would have... For me, it would have helped me understand the film a little more. Mm-hmm. 
that's not to say I didn't like the film. It's just, you know, me being an expert and five-time Oscar winner, Chris Barker. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, I watch these films. It's my opinion. If you don't like it. It's true. <laughs> no one's coming for you, and it's okay. <laughs> I have to defend myself, excuse me. One of the non-virgin girls at school holds a meeting with all the girls and provides some of her sex expertise. This is your essay, hi girl. (laughs) Uh, Popular blonde Cindy. She's not a cheerleader though. That surprised me, not a single cheerleader in this film. Uh, She gives them a pep talk about sex before the big party that evening. Um, She basically says, wear a condom and don't expect an orgasm. Yeah. Uh, the dudes are getting high in a van wondering if women have two or three holes and suggesting there should be a killer who murders women who don't give head (laughs) Uh, the principal sees see that's funny that's funny that sort of you know that scene was funny Um, the principal sees a TV report on the scheduled orgy that evening and announces that anyone attending will be punished yes um, later... Assuming no one gives a shit. No. Because all the students are super excited, running around screaming after school. Um, so seemingly, you've, the only person who's not a virgin is Cindy. Yeah. <laughs> in the whole school. I mean, I mean, I don't know who she slept with then. Yeah. Clearly it takes two to tango. So there must be at least one guy who's yeah. not a virgin at the school. Unless she, you know, she, she went to another school for it. Or... And later, Jodie asks her mother, who is drinking and cooking, she's drinking from the bottle. She's burning um, the cookies. Uh, she asks her if she knows who Laura Lee Sherman is, and she tells her she doesn't know her. Yeah, she, she's, uh, I don't know what she's drinking. <laughs> she's not hiding it in the uh, linen cupboard. No. <laughs> linen closet. <laughs> um, um, Jodie takes her investigations further at the library. Uh, until a nice little jump scare by her mum. Yes. Who's followed her there, um, seemingly. Uh, she tells her the story of Laura Lee while smoking a ciggy <laughs> by the books. <laughs> no one else in the library. No. Libraries are so abandoned in films. It's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, so Laura... Reading's fundamental, though, you know. Laura Lee was a high school loner 27 years ago. Uh, she claimed that four popular boys at school, including Brent and the high school principal, raped her one night. Her cries fell on deaf ears and she left the city for the rural outskirts uh, where she was rarely seen or heard from again. Uh, yeah, so as you know from listening to this podcast previously and other episodes and such, using sexual assault as a plot point is not the best, is it? Let's face it. No, the film is 22 years old. But it doesn't sit well the in what is, you know, essentially a slasher parody where, you know, there are comedic elements, rape and sexual assault is used as a plot point. Yeah. Um, you know, and spoiler alert, the the reason for the killings is this rape that happened. Mm. Um, it's, yeah. Which, I mean, you know, it, that could go in a weird way. It could fall into rape revenge. Um, but the problem is, you know, rape revenge films are obviously played seriously as they should be. You know, they, they're a serious, it's a serious sub genre. Um, 
in throwing us into like you said into a satire uh a, a comedy film it just yeah it's it's one of the biggest downfalls for me um, yeah it with the film especially with how it leads into the twist and given the reasoning and then the whole dressing as a woman thing it, it, it becomes a little messy uh a little problematic by today's standards but to, to be honest, I mean, even by two thousand, is this is a bit late for it? It, it is, it is, and I, I think it's probably the most. I think it's where I say that I wish the comedy was played up more. I think if this was more of a comedy film, you probably wouldn't have had this. No, it could have been replaced with anything. Really, it really could have. It really could have, and um, you know, the the whole idea of the film is because of you know, the the rules of the slasher film that were established and parodied in Scream, mm. one of them is, you know, only virgins survive. Yeah. I mean, that's the premise of the film. You know, that's funny. Yeah. That That's a funny premise. But the reasoning for the premise is that virgins are being killed off is rape. Yeah, you know, and that that doesn't it yeah it, it it's it, it it's not it doesn't sit well, it it's icky it doesn't it it's not right yeah. you know yeah. it it needs another draft, because that's that shouldn't be the reason even in two thousand it's just it it yeah it's not it's not I I don't I don't know what word I'm looking for but it's not a positive word no. Uh, Brent visits Laura Lee's old house and finds a place looking really run down, finds, finds a doll with a chain around its neck. Uh, his partner radios through to him and informs him that Principal Tom wants to meet with him. Jodie, uh, disappointed with the hypocrisy of her parents, visits Kenny at his house where he's playing a guitar solo like a really cool dude. Uh, <laughs> at the window as at well, the window. isn't it? And she's, she's outside the window. She's like, oh my god, Kenny, <laughs> those guitar skills. Yeah, they uh, they talk in his room whilst Kenny rubs Jodie's feet and uh, Jodie, because she's upset of her parents, tries to have sex with him uh, after telling him to bite on her big toe. Yeah, another surreal moment that goes into pure comedy is um, Kenny with um, Jodie's big toe in his mouth. <laughs> um... Yeah, I haven't really got much to say about that. Yeah, he refuses. Not being a fan of feet of myself, I wasn't particularly pleased. Yeah, he he doesn't want to have sex with her, um, so she gets upset and leaves, but before she goes, he mentions that he saw her and Mr. Marliston hanging out. So it reveals that it was him watching at the school. Yeah, yeah. So um, Kenny's upset because he wants... Jodie to have sex with him because she wants to have sex with him not because she's pissed at her parents um even even though not too long ago she'd said Kenny you've been pe- pressuring me to do it with you for a whole year mm-hmm. well um spoiler alert by the end they kind of reconcile their relationship don't they yeah. well, she left it where it was it didn't sound very healthy um, yeah, Brent goes to the school to meet Principal Tom, 
only to find him dead in his office with the words virgin not carved into his forehead. Yeah. Uh, before Brent can react, he is knocked out by the killer. Yes. Then we cut to the party. Yeah. Um, essential in any slasher film yeah. in the late 90s. And this is a... Pop your cherry ball. <laughs> it is. Uh, one guy's giving his CD collection to a girl from for sex. Yeah, resident stoner Mark, the object... Uh, oh, no, excuse me. My apologies. It's Cindy. So Cindy will only sleep with uh, stoner bonehead Ben if she can have all his CDs. Even the imports. Even the imports. Which is funny because he was one of the ones who was um, bragging about his sexual prowess yeah. not too long ago in the film. Um, but turns out that he needs Cindy to pop his cherry or he's going to get killed. Two guys who look like they're clearly gay, um, look like they're about to get on with each other, but then go and dance with two girls. Oh, no, these are the geeks. One looks like a mixture of Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland. That's, uh, if I remember correctly, isn't that DJ Quail? Well, I don't know how to pronounce his surname. Um, But did you ever watch... um, Oh, which one was it? Road Trip? No. Surprisingly, no. No. Um, Yeah, he was in Road Trip. Um, Yeah. I don't know what else. I don't know what fucking else. Was Um, Was he in one of the American Pie films? Maybe. He was was very much in that sort of... um, acting um group yeah i mean i think everyone really was in this the one thing you could be guaranteed with these um post scream horror films is that the cat if you're of a particular age like myself the whole cast you know what do i know them from yeah what do i I know them from yeah a lot of the teen films from around this time all share the same cast um they're definitely uh Switched between films, and then they all ended up eventually in uh, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Um, Sandy starts dancing with Mark, and Kenny is about to have sex with a girl when he has second thoughts and leaves to find Jodie. Yes. She is uh, on her way to Mr. Marliston's house, and witnesses him dragging a heavy trunk inside. Yeah, so she helps him... Uh, uh... Yeah, she helps him drag this trunk, very heavy trunk. He wants to get it down the stairs. And they're having a, a talk, and she's upset with her father. And Mr. Marston says, you're really close to your father. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Yeah. Because who's in the trunk? Her father, <laughs> who she's helping drag down the stairs. I mean, that's funny. That's yeah. funny, you know? Um, She then kind of asks what's in the trunk and she's trying to figure out why it's so heavy um mr marliston for the big reveal says your father maybe mine uh jody opens the trunk and finds her dad tied up uh mr marliston does mr marliston get a first name uh leonard leonard yeah mr marliston knocks her out and ties her up too Yes, uh, and it's, it's a shame that this reveal is so uh, problematic because it's a great reveal. I mean, the way he's just casually, when she's like, oh, what's in this? Oh, yeah, he's your dad. Like, just, it's so, it's uh, it's a really good reveal. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I mean, the lead up to it is funny. Yeah. Because I, I think by that point, um, Red Herring, you know, we were thinking, oh, it's probably Mr. Marleston because he's acting shady. Mm-hmm. And then when he says, you're really close to your father, I mean, that's, fun- that's funny. Yeah. Um, but then it is, it is revealed that he puts on a wig and makeup to become Laura Lee Sherman. Um, it's just, for me, the last film to do this where you, where it's acceptable to say, do you know what, it's a product of its time, but you can look past it, it's still a masterpiece, it's Silence of the Lambs. I think that's the cut-off point. Because, I mean, you know, for all of history, whenever it's been done, it's, it's not acceptable. You know, it's, it's still not okay. But if you're, you know, basing it something on a product of its time, then I think the cut-off point is Silence of the Lambs. I don't think anything since then has been done where you can say, oh, well, you know, we've learned since then, it's a product of its time. Anything after that point, no, it's just aged badly. Yeah, I th- I think with because there was backlash against Silence of the Lambs yeah. at the time, so any sort of film after that should have learned yeah, from that. Exactly. Um, I think Silence of the Lambs, and I don't really want to get into it too much because we're talking about Cherry Falls, um, but I f- I do think Silence of the Lambs deals with it better. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it's not um, it's it's dealt with well, it's probably dealt with it more. It it mm. kind of. It has that conversation yeah. about it and sort of explains itself last in the film. Um, whereas with this, I mean, it's psycho, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah like absolutely. Y- your mum abused you, therefore you dress up as your mum because you're now crazy. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's that. And it's been done. It was... Uh, well, I suppose it wasn't problematic it's, <laughs> in Psycho. I mean, it, it sort of ignited the world of horror f- filmmaking. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've kind of learned more now. Yeah. Uh, and in the 40 years after Psycho, it should have been a bit like... Uh, it, it just falls into a grey area. is in that as the twist. Yeah, I mean, it falls into a grey area because this could just be... Lo- you could just look at this as a straight-up parody of Psycho. But then, you know, if that's what you're going for, then... Find a way to acknowledge that it wasn't okay within there. If you're going for a real... If you want to be modern, if you're going for of your time, you know, you want to be new and hip and whatever they're called, the films around this time, um, and you're parodying that and you want to say something about it, then say something about it. Don't connect it to a rape twist as well because then that enters a very grey area where if it was done as a parody, how can you laugh at it when that's what it's leading from? Yeah, and it, it is, it, isn't it? And it's like I said about Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs is, is not a comedy at no. all. Um, but it does explain it within the film itself. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably where the problem lies in, you know, something like um, Silent, Psycho and in this. And it doesn't explain it. Mm. It doesn't... I think they're doing Psycho. Oh, at the, the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it, it's not saying that this person is transgendered mm. and transgendered people are psychopaths. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not necessarily saying that, but it's also not not saying that. Yeah. And that's the problem, is yeah. that, you know, you, you have to, in the film, 
say, this is what this is. Yeah. Essentially, in Cherry Falls, this guy is obviously a mentally ill serial killer Mm -hmm. who dresses up as his mum. Yeah. But it's not really explained why he does that and not sort of... Like, dressing as a woman, is that because he's a psychopath? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not distinguishing and saying... I mean, really, you know, why couldn't you just not have the dress as your mum part? Exactly. But it, it leads to the red herring nature of it, you know. It does, it does. Um... You know, whether it was done to be a damaging representation, who knows? I don't think so, because if you're going to have other, you know, queer representation in your film, why would you go back on that? Yeah. You know, it kind of, I I don't think it was done maliciously, but that sort of clumsy nature doesn't help to trans representation. I feel like... Um, particularly towards the end when, um, he's got the wig on. Yeah. I feel like it's trying to play up the comedy in him having a wig. Like, oh, isn't this funny? He's wearing a wig. Mm. And, you know, he's got a, a mini skirt on. You know, I think maybe that's played for laughs. Well, he's he doesn't have the skirt. No, no, he's is just, he not wearing no, a skirt it's just, at the end? Uh, in his normal outfit. Uh, he's got lipstick on. Yeah, he's, lipstick on. He's got on makeup wig. on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that's made to play it for laughs. Because of the bizarre so, nature. When he goes Jack Torrance on things. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, we've done full episodes on Circumstance and Lambs. Go and listen to them for us talking more in depth and stuff like this. But also watch Disclosure because, I mean, that definitely... Uh, I mean, I've obviously, you know, we've obviously known uh, what's okay and what's not okay. You know, we're, we're clever adults. Um, and a lot of people should be. But watch Disclosure because that really opens your eyes to how damaging sort of representation can be. And how it makes trans people feel, you know, prior to coming out. And even when they have came out and that's the sort of representation they're getting. Um, it's, it really is a fantastic documentary and really worth watching. It, it's, uh, yeah, I do think Disclosure is must-see um, documentary filmmaking, absolutely. Um, and the thing is, we, we are, you know, fully grown adults and we know right from wrong. Yeah. But there's always room for learning. And oh, it's always room It's to not think. impossible to enjoy a film with something like this. And I love this film. I, I have no problem saying I really enjoy this film. But I recognise this is not okay. Yeah. You know? It, it, and that's what it's all about. That, that is what it's about. You know, you can't destroy cinema history. Psycho is the greatest, one of the greatest horror films of all time. So is Silence of the Lambs. You can't just erase those because of one small thing. You can watch them and acknowledge what is okay and what isn't okay, though. Yeah, I th- I think every I know that every film ever made is a product of its time. Um, it absolutely is a representation of that period, you know, in history. Psycho was made in nineteen sixty. It's representative of nineteen sixty values. Yeah. 
do they hold up now? Not necessarily, no. Um, that makes... It, it's difficult. It's difficult because we, we... You can't hold everything to the same standard as you would films nowadays. Because no. it, there is a learning to it. And has it been quick enough? No, no. it hasn't. But by 2000, I think they should have known a little better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Marliston reveals that he is Laura Lee Sherman's uh, illegitimate son and asks Brent to retell the story of what happened at night 25 years ago. Uh, Brent reveals that the four boys, including himself, did indeed rape Laura Lee. Uh, and Marliston says his mother became an abusive psycho after the rape and that one of the rapists is his father. There's an implication that Brent is, in fact, Marlison's biological father. Yeah, so, unfortunately, we do get flashbacks. Yeah. They're not... Not necessary. They're not necessary. They're not explicit, explicit. Um, But in the context of this film and its comedic parts, you know, it's it's meant to be a a comedy, really... It's unnecessary. It is. Um, we then also get flashbacks to uh, Marleston being abused in his car by Laura Lee. Again, not necessary. No. Um, it's suggested that uh, Laura Lee is abusive as a mother um, because Mar- Marleston reminded her of Sheriff Malkin. Yeah who she was in love with. So before the rape took place, she was in love with Sheriff uh, Markin and um, she had a crush. She wrote him poetry, and something, but never had the guts to give him any of no. this poetry that she wrote. And the reason she kind of, um, you know, went to them for help when her car broke down was because she was in love with Markin and she trusted him, blah, blah, blah. You know, it all sort of stems from there. I don't think it's necessary to have visuals on that. I don't think it's really necessary to the plot. No. I mean, the, there's a, a hundred other reasons why this killer is killing virgins. Exactly. You know, it just... It, it just could have been someone turned down at a um, high school prom or whatever, you know? Exactly. Just, uh, so something silly you know it's it's a silly film it, it, the reason could have been anything if it's a comedy as long as it's funny yeah you, you know and i think this is and me and gary were talking um on a similar subject today about sort of too many cooks when it comes to filmmaking yeah and um as you said in the trivia Seemingly, the screenwriter and the director were looking at it from two opposing directions. Yeah. And I think that's why you get something that's very jarring. Yeah. Um, and sits very uncomfortably within the film. Like these flashback scenes. I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, so basically by targeting virgins, Marleston would rob all the wealthy parents of their precious virginal children. Uh, Kenny... Like, really? Yeah. You know? Kenny drives by Marlison's house and notices Jodie's bike outside. 
he enters the house and frees Jody as Brent fights with Marleston, who manages to murder her with an axe. Yeah, he notices Marleston is wearing lipstick, and then he's like, oh, okay, something's up here. Rushes into the house to save the day. Marleston goes Jack Torrance, and when I say, I mean, it's some of the... the um, physicality is exactly like Jack Torrance from The Shining. Um, it goes to town with an axe, kills Sheriff Markin before chasing Kenny and Jody through the woods. Um, Kenny and, Kenny and Jody turn up at the Leisure Cherry Ball. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's a cop there and, you know, jo- Jody's explaining what's happened and her, her dad's been killed. And are you going to help us? And the cop says, this is my post. I can't just split. Yes. Before getting an axe to the head. Yeah. Right in the, right in the middle of his head. Um, I mean, I wish it would have been a bit gorier. I wish, you know, if it had been a, like a hatchet film, I think his head would have actually split yeah. half. Um, but yeah, funny pun. Uh, Marleston turns up at the cherry ball. Um, and yells, class dismissed, because yeah. he's the teacher. Um, the attendees in their underwear, um, all looking, and le- all looking like they're from the pages of an, uh, Vogue magazine. All looking like they're from the, uh, middle music video by Jimmy Eat World. Yeah, <laughs> but all like Abercrombie and Fitch models, is that, was that what was popular in 2000s? <laughs> Uh, no, not a normal looking person amongst no. them. Uh, they cause a stampede downstairs. Uh, Kenny gets stabbed a few times while saving Jody. Yeah. Uh, Marleston tries to attack Jody, but she uses some of those self defense skills. She does. Pushes him out the window and he falls onto a fence. Yeah. Um, the killer comes back for one last scare. And the sheriff's deputy shoots him repeatedly. Yeah. Jody, and then we, and then that's the the end of uh, Marleston. We then cut to Jody and her mother, telling the police there's no reason they can think of for Sheriff Markin's visit to that dilapidated home, or for uh, Marleston's murder spree. It's a bit shitty, really, because there's two guys. Because as um. Marge was explaining oh her name's Marge as well yeah fucking hell um as Marge was explaining there's two guys that were involved that weren't the principal or the sheriff well yeah who skipped town and they got away with it scot-free and the thing is her husband's dead so it's not like he's could get into any more trouble exactly I mean he did what he did you know um so it's weird it's a weird choice for the ending yeah the, the principal's dead as well you know, why couldn't they just say, this is why, you know. Because they were hoping for a sequel, that's why. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They They were absolutely hoping for a sequel. And we know this because when they leave the station, as they're leaving town, Jodie sees someone resembling Laura Lee Sherman disappear behind a moving school bus. Yeah, because there's no suggestion that the real Laura Lee Sherman is dead. Exactly. There's no, no, no suggestion at all. So they probably were... Uh, looking for a sequel. The film ends with a shot of the waterfalls outside town turning red, and we get reverse end credits with uh, Fader by Drugstore playing. 
Yeah, the the end credits go up rather than going down. That's very disorientating. Yeah. I'm not used to that. No. Uh, and that's Cherry Falls. Yeah, no, the credits <laughs> went down instead of up, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, that's Cherry Falls. Um, enjoyable. Um, flawed, in my opinion. Um, but in terms of the slew of meta slashes after Scream, fun. You know, it's up there with the best of them. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. There's absolutely. a good time to be had, um, but 22 years is a long time. And it, it there's is. elements that haven't aged very well. Yeah, um, but it is massively entertaining. Uh, you know, it's camp, it's, it's funny where it needs to be in certain places. Um, yeah, I and mean... Brittany Murphy's just a oh, really exactly. charming lead. And if Brittany Murphy isn't enough of a reason to watch it, I don't know. But I mean, you know... Absolutely watch it for Brittany Murphy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely check out I feel Cherry like, Falls. I feel like it's the one out of all that we've watched, and I said this earlier, uh, that tried its hardest to be screened. Yeah. I really felt that. Um, and, you know, it, it it's successful mostly. Yeah. In, in doing that. I think, I think maybe its downfall was trying too hard to be like Scream. And uh, I, do, I, I wish it just upped the comedy just a little bit and less um, of the, the darker stuff. Yeah. So, if uh, you're a fan of Cherry Falls, which I know a lot of you are, yes. you've been hearing, um, let us know on social media. We're Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram and Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker 823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. Get to give us a rate review and a subscribe on iTunes like a fallen of the owl. Spray on Spotify. This week is another double episode week, and we'll be back on Friday discussing our highlights from this year's BFI Flare LGBTQ Festival. Yes. Yes, uh, we'll be back with that. And then <laughs> next free, next week, just when you thought you've heard too much of us discussing. Early 2000s, meta horror. We have Dracula 2000. Is that a sequel? No. No? No. I always thought that was a sequel. I think <laughs> I always got it confused with John Carpenter's Vampires. Maybe that's where I'm coming from. Uh, yeah. I, I think we're going to have a lot to Dracula say. Dracula 2000. About this. Or Dracula 2001, if you're from the UK. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 2001 vampire odyssey yeah something like that so we'll see you on friday bye